Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Dave and today we've got episode 39 for you. This is a big one because if you follow the podcast you might know last week I actually missed an episode because life is just totally crazy around here. Uh, We've got a lot going on. It's approaching holiday season and if you're a uh, YouTuber like me who does like fitness tech stuff, the world gets flipped upside down in the month of September and October and there are so many product releases and updates and things coming out that I've just been trying to keep ahead with and and keep keep doing and uh, I also have a real job so I've been very busy. Anyways, before we get into the full episode, episode 39, I do want to thank the Patreon members and YouTube members for the continued support. Uh, If you want to help, you know, support this podcast, what I'm doing here, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the YouTube channel even, consider uh, joining Patreon or the YouTube members platform. It just helps contribute a couple of bucks each month and keep me doing what I'm doing here specifically with the podcast because you know this is uh an extra layer of things i'm doing every week now uh so i do appreciate the support and it is valued so thank you very much patreon members if you're interested in helping support the podcast and youtube channel check out the link at the bottom of the show notes that says support this show i really appreciate it also a quick shout out to the merch store if you want to get some chase the summit swag we got uh trucker hats and t-shirts and running shirts we now have hooded sweatshirts for the fall season and i'm working on more cool weather clothing and apparel that'll be in there soon Uh, we've also just got like stickers and stuff in there too i'm very proud of the merch and if you want uh for listeners of this podcast and listeners only i don't post this discount anywhere you can use discount code listen10 that's l-i-s-t-e-n one zero at checkout for 10 percent off your entire order And that's just as a special thank you for people who listen to this podcast, because uh, if you're listening, then I appreciate it. And so you deserve 10% off. Finally, a quick shout out to the supporter of this show, and that is Liquid IV Hydration. They make a hydration multiplier. That's basically a little uh, powdered mix that comes in small packets. I love these things. I throw them in my pack when I go for a run. I uh, drink them in the morning before a big race. I even drink them the day after I have a couple of a uh, couple too many beers. You know, they help with the they help with the hangover situation. <laughs> it's kind of a hangover cure in a way. Uh, not really, not medically proven, but I like them. They taste good, they're low in calories, and they really do feel like they have some effect in terms of uh, you know, progressing hydration. Feels like it goes in a little bit quicker, you feel uh, like you're quenches thirst, and they taste good. So check out the link in the show notes for Liquid IV, uh, and you can use discount code CHASETHESUMMIT, all one word, at checkout for 25, up to 25% off your order. That discount may vary. Okay, first topic today, Before we get into the huge discussion that is the the big Apple announcement, I know that's what you're probably here for, but I do want to give a shout out to my wife who just finished her first 50K ultramarathon this past weekend um, at the Trail Animal Running Club Fall Classic 50K. That is a race that takes place here in Massachusetts in the town of Carlisle, which is very close to home. So my wife and I got to run it together, which is something we've never gotten to do before. And it was kind of awesome. So we woke up super early, 5 a.m., got ready, got in the car. Thank goodness the grandparents watched the kids all day. And we started the race in Carlisle at 5.30 a.m. She was a little bit nervous. Um, You know, she had a lot of questions beforehand. She had never run an ultra before. Her longest run before this was a full marathon that she had completed a couple of years before. And then she had another baby. So, you know, Women out there know that process. A baby really takes a toll on your body. So she had to get back into training and get back into fitness. And she felt good enough to do the 50K. So she did this with, um, she was supposed to run some of the race with some of her friends who ended up dropping to different distances. Uh, this race is a multi-distance event. So you can run uh, anything from a 10K all the way up to 50 miles. And there's little segments in be- between like half marathon and things things like that. So my wife is part of this organization. She actually runs a local uh, group called No Excuse Moms, where it's a big, it's a big international thing. Um, No Excuse Moms tries to promote moms to get out there and get fit and healthy. So a quick shout out to them. 
I'll actually drop the link in the show notes down below if you want to check that out. Uh, but she's kind of like the leader of the local group. And so she talked some of her mom friends into running the race. So some of them did the, the 10K, some did the half marathon, and she did the 50K. So super, super proud of her. We ran the entire thing together. In my mind, I wasn't sure, um, you know, selfishly, obviously, I wanted to like run my own race, but I also wanted to be sort of a pacer for her to kind of dip her toes into the the ultra world because it's not like a road marathon. It's a lot different. You've got, you know, hydration to worry about. You're out there for a lot longer. Your pace is a lot slower. There's a lot more walking and hiking and things like that. Um, the course isn't like crazy technical, but there's a good, there's like a great mix of some techie sections and then some like double track graded sections. So there's a mix of everything. And it was kind of funny because I told her getting into this, like, oh, it's a pretty flat course. You'll be fine. And then when we get there, it was like um, a thousand feet of elevation gain per loop per 10, 10 mile loop. So she was kind of like, you lied to me. This is not flat. Um, but we did have fun. And she ended up uh, running basically the whole thing with pretty good positive attitude right up until like mile 25 when she started to have some issues with her ankle. Uh, she she had issues a few years ago with her ankle and, um, you know, she rolled it a couple of times during the race. So it kind of got fired up again. And by the end, she was she was walking a lot more, still in good spirits and uh, ended up finishing in about eight hours. Um, so congrats to her. It was a big deal. It was a really big deal for her. And I actually just published a video to YouTube yesterday, uh, kind of chronicles of her of day. I tried to get as much footage as I could throughout the day. Um, and it's called Her First Marathon. So go check out that on the Chase the Summit YouTube channel if you're interested. Kind of condenses the whole eight-hour day into an eight-minute video. Um, but I had a lot of fun, and it was great to see all the people of the Trail Animal Running Club out there. Lots of excited volunteers. Uh, race director is awesome. Just a really cool race overall. Check out uh, Trail Animal Running Club if you're in the area, if you're in the New England area, or even if you're visiting, they've got races year-round. So next up, I got to talk about the holiday season because it's getting crazy. There are so many like uh, brand emails and uh, you know, people reaching out for reviews and uh, products coming out and new embargo information, all these things. I am having a hard time keeping up. Um, I'm doing my best. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of content coming out on YouTube. Uh, but, you know, I've got my limits, so it's been a struggle. Okay, so diving right into the news. I know that's why you're here. I just wanted to tell you about my, my wife's 50K. So obviously, the biggest news this week or this past week, uh, is the Apple event. They had their, their far out event and they announced a whole bunch of new products, including a new Apple watch series eight, uh, the Apple watch SE second generation. And of course the Apple watch ultra, which is uh, a big deal. It's totally different from what they used to do. On top of that, they also had a big announcement for um, the, the new iPhone 14 and 14 Pro, which does have a feature that I'm really excited about, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And they talked about uh, the new Apple AirPods Pro 2, which again has some really cool features, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to go back to the Apple Watch Series 8 and SE. A uh, bunch of new features on these watches. Uh, there's a bigger, uh, br bigger display on the series eight. Uh, and they also added a new, uh, body temperature sensor. That's right now. It seems like they're focusing on using the body temperature sensor to, um, help women's health with, you know, cycle tracking and ovulation planning and things like that, which is pretty cool. Uh, very exciting there. And there's some really interesting advancements they've made with this. Like they'll be able to estimate um, women's, uh, ovulation, like before they, they even know it, um, using the body temperature sensor in the body temperature sensor is actually really interesting design because it kind of, um, fixes the issue that a lot of these companies face with body temperature sensing. What they did is they put a sensor under the watch to detect your skin, your skin, your body temperature, but they also added a temperature sensor to the glass, to that side of the watch on top of it. 
And what they're using that for is kind of a uh, baseline. So they know the ambient temperature in the area that you are, what kind of environment you're in. And then they can actually use that to uh, get a more accurate read of your body temperature from the one that's making contact with your skin. Really cool idea. And it should provide pretty accurate information. Like I said, they're mainly using this for women's health and cycle tracking, but I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity moving forward to use this for other things. I think maybe right now they're scared to use it for more medical type stuff because it's probably not a medically certified device um, in terms of like the, the actual temperature sensor. But down the road, I could see a lot of uses, use cases for this. For example, there's a, a new, um, I don't know how new it is, but the core sensor is a Bluetooth or AMP plus sensor that's been out for a while that actually clips to your uh, heart rate strap on your chest. And you compare this to a Garmin or, or uh, your, your smartphone or anything else. And it's supposed to give you your, your core body temperature. And they actually use this in terms of uh, training. So, you know, if you want to do like heat training or know your body's temperature while you're training to optimize your performance, uh, that's what this sensor tries to do. Now I could see a world where, this feature could be part of the Apple Watch um, now that they have that sensor built in. Judging by, you know, it kind of depends how accurate it is. And we'll have to wait till the watch is actually out because it's not out yet before we can, uh, you know, provide any real thoughts in terms of accuracy. But it is an exciting ex advancement. Another big advancement with the Apple Watch SE and Series 8 is that uh, not only do they detect if you like crash a bike or trip and fall, but now they actually pick up car accidents. If you're in a vehicle and get in a car crash, the watch's sensors with its altimeter and uh, gyroscope and all that data, it can figure out that you've in fact been in a car accident and reach out for help. I think that's a really cool advancement as well. And hopefully that you know can save lives. So um, there's a lot of uh, improvements with the Apple Watch Series 8 and SE. Unfortunately, what didn't get improved in terms of you know, a spec sheet is that uh, they didn't improve the battery life. So the battery life on the SE and Series 8 is still 18 hours. Um, so that's not even a full day of battery life. But I will say I've been wearing the Series 7 uh, a lot more now because I knew all these things were coming out. Um, and so I, I wanted to get some baseline testing with the Series 7 before all this new stuff get, comes out and I'm able to test that. And on the Series 7, it had 18 hours of battery life. But I always got more than 18 hours of battery life with it. For example, I'm wearing it right now and it's been uh, over 24 hours in the, my Series 7, I'm looking at it right now, is at 34%. So I'm probably going to get closer to 30 hours out of my uh, Series 7, which is great news because that this watch, the Series 7, was advertised to have 18 hours of battery life, just like the Series 8 and the new SE. Um, that said, I do wish they made some bump in the battery on the Series 8. That's an area where we like to see incremental you know, improvements over time. But I do get that they added more sensors to the watch, so it's doing more. <laughs> so we can't expect way longer battery life. But time will tell. Again, these watches are not out in the wild yet, so we're going to have to wait until they are to test them out in terms of battery life and everything else. Um, there's a lot more to the, the Series 8 and SE, but I'm going to put that aside for a minute because I'm more excited about the Apple Watch Ultra. So the Apple Watch Ultra, I'm sure you've seen it by now if you're an Apple Watch enthusiast, is an Apple Watch that is specifically targeting that sports and endurance enthusiast market. So they are facing giants like Garmin and Coros and Polar and all those other brands uh, Sunto, uh, they're taking them head on now because the Apple Watch Ultra is a ruggedly built watch that has all of the features that somebody like that is, is in that market would want. So what is the Apple Watch Ultra? It is a 40, 49 millimeter uh, tall watch, 44 millimeters wide, square aspect ratio. It's got a really nice, uh, almost edge to edge display on the front of it. Really excited about that. Uh, almost no bezels, but what's really cool about this watch is they built it ruggedly. So this thing has a sapphire lens on the front of it in a titanium case, 
But not only is the sapphire lens uh, durable on the front, sapphire is like, I've never scratched one. I know people have out there. Sapphire is very durable, but they changed the design on this one so it's flat. Whereas on the Apple Watch Series 7 and the 8, they've got that rounded display, which looks really cool. It's got a really cool aesthetic to it. Um, but it's not great in terms of durability because if you bump your watch on something, there's no bezel protecting it. You just have that glass edge. So now they've got a nice flat display with a big metal titanium lip around it. And that titanium lip also acts as the antenna for the watch, for the GPS signal and the Bluetooth and things like that. Um, so what what's special about the Apple Watch other than the build? Well, they've got a whole bunch of um, new features on here, including uh, a bunch of features for diving, which I'm not a scuba diver or anything, but to my knowledge, this is kind of a bargain when it comes to dive watches. So I should probably tell you about the price. The Apple Watch uh, Ultra is gonna come in at $799 here in the USA. Very expensive watch, not for the faint of heart. But we'll talk about pricing in a minute. But the reason why I mention price now is because um, if you look at dive watches, like Garmin makes one called the Descent, okay? And it's basically a Garmin Phoenix, but it's got a special depth sensor on it. Rather than a, a basic barometer, it, it can pick up accurate depth readings, and it's certified for scuba diving. The Apple Watch Ultra also has these features. It's certified for scuba diving. And that's really interesting because typically at this price point for a sports watch, um, brands will kind of shy away from certifying the device for scuba. And because certifying it means it is safe. Uh, they don't want the liability of their depth sensor being off because that would be like a life-threatening situation for someone who dives. Again, I'm not a diver, so I'm kind of simplifying this. I'm just using my knowledge as far as I know. Uh, but what's really cool about the Apple Watch Ultra is that they've partnered with a company called Hewish Outdoors, who uh, is an app developer, and they've got a really nice dive app that's on the watch, and it will actually turn the Apple Watch Ultra into a real, like, full-blown dive computer. Um, so you've got the features similar to what you get on a, a Garmin Descent model that's, you know, nearly $1,500. You get that for 800 bucks on the Apple Watch Ultra, which is pretty cool. And I think, honestly, probably the biggest, like, probably why people will buy this watch, I think. If you're like a sports enthusiast, I mean, other than the people out there, there's going to be some percentage of people that buy the Ultra just because they want the best or they want the longest battery life for an Apple Watch or something. But I feel like the dive function is really what sets it apart from other, other sport watches in this segment at this price point. But let's go back to the, uh, an, the event. So at Apple's Far Out event, they had this huge production for the Apple Watch Ultra. They had like um, Scott Jurek and, uh, you know, a legendary ultra runner who's won Western States in the past and stuff. They showed him running with it. They had uh, elite athletes and climbers. They had some guy like on top of Mount Everest with an Apple Watch Ultra with like blistering snow blowing past him. They had a diver, you know, 200 feet underwater, all these scenarios and incredibly awesome visuals, like incredible production value on how they put their video presentation together. It was really jaw, jaw dropping. They cannot be matched like no other company invests that amount of money into their uh, announcement videos, but Apple. And it pays off, I'm sure. You know, that's really their image is, um, you know, top quality production value and everything. So like I said, uh, after all the event, it boils down to a, a ruggedly built Apple Watch, 49 millimeters. It's 61 grams in weight, so not super heavy. It's got an operating range of up to 130 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's kind of a tank. Uh, it's a, it's a unique design and it's going to be something you're going to have to get past if you're, so if you like round traditional looking watches, you're probably going to hate the Apple watch ultra because it's kind of a merge of, uh, you know, like something like a Garmin Phoenix or epics and then like an Apple watch kind of the, the child of those two, because it's got that rugged appearance with like kind of a bump out on the side of it that houses it a digital crown and a button. Um, and it's not like a look everybody will love, but in my opinion, it looks kind of cool. Another addition to 
the Apple Watch Ultra is that they added a button they're, they're calling the action button that solves a huge problem that I've always had with Apple Watches. And it's that I hate using this, the touchscreen to start and stop an activity. And not only do I hate it, in some situations, it's impossible. If you're in the rain or in the snow or sweating a lot or even underwater, you can't start and stop an activity on an Apple Watch because it's a touchscreen um, thing. It's an action you have to touch on the screen. Now, on the Ultra, they added a button that you can configure to start and stop activities. And you can also configure it to do a whole bunch of other stuff like uh, drop a waypoint uh, to mark where your campsite is. You can use it to trigger certain applications or do all various activities. And you could set this up in the, uh, in the settings uh, on the watch itself. So really cool that they added that button. Uh, and what I'm curious to find out once I get one eventually is that, are you able to like fully control the watch from the button in the digital crown, or do you still have to touch the screen for some things? I would really love it if they, you know, made it fully functional if you're wearing gloves or you're like in inclement weather and you can't really touch the screen in a precision way. If they made it so you can actually do everything from that dial and from the button, that would be killer. And time will tell. I still don't have one. Uh, and when they're out in the wild, I will certainly have a full review on YouTube about it. But for now, we can only speculate. So uh, on top of all that stuff, there is a, a new display that's bigger and brighter. That's up to 2000 nits of brightness, which is incredibly bright because if you compare that to something like the Garmin Epix Gen 2, which is a beautiful watch with a great display, that's only a thousand nits and that's an OLED display. And if you're, if you've ever seen that thing in person, you know, it's a very bright display. It's really a killer display. So to have a watch with almost twice the brightness, uh, quite a, quite a, a big deal there. So it should be able to be visible in just about every lighting environment, including direct sunlight, um, which is awesome. And then on top of that, they've added a few new bands. So there's, uh, the, the new Alpine loop. I, they call them loops. I call them bands. I'll, I'll keep calling them bands. There's an Alpine band, an ocean band, and then a trail band, which is kind of like Garmin's ultra fit nylon band that has kind of a Velcro closure to it. So I am interested to try those out as well. Again, the Apple watch ultra is basically just a series an improved series eight in a lot of ways. It's got, you know, the new, um, temperature, body temperature sensor. It's got the crash detection, all of that. But on top of all those things, there's also a few extra things. So the ultra comes with multi-band GPS, which is uh, supposedly going to be incredibly accurate. And it's probably going to be very similar to what we've seen on the new Garmin's that have multi-band GPS. That means they can actually utilize multiple satellite networks at the same time with multiple frequencies rather than just locking on to one or two, which provides better triangulation and better accuracy. So that's an improvement. Um, there's a new compass app that has waypoint and trackback support, but it doesn't have full blown mapping like a Garmin, uh, Phoenix or epics. It's not quite on that level, but it does provide trackback. So if you're lost and you're hiking, you should be able to get back to the beginning of your activity using the trackback function in the compass app. Um, there's also, also a new safety feature, uh, that pr provides a 86 decibel siren. So you can trigger this by holding, uh, the the back button long enough to bring up the emergency screen, hit the siren and it will go off and should alert people in the surrounding area that you need help. I can't wait to test that. I'm really, <laughs> they say it can be heard up to 600 feet away or meters, 600 meters or feet. I forget, but apparently the sound itself is very unnatural. Like you wouldn't hear it out there in nature. So, um, it makes it more noticeable. And I, I plan on testing that. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and, and finally, the biggest reason I'd say to get the Ultra over something like the Series 8 or 7 or the SE is going to be the battery life. This is what it all boils down to and probably why they made this watch entirely. The Apple Watch Ultra is going to ship with 36 hours of battery life, uh, standby mode. So that smartwatch, take it out of the box, put it on your wrist. You can expect up to 36 hours of battery life with it. Now, here's the... <laughs> Let's open this can of worms. Uh, let's open the, I'm, I'm rubbing my face trying to figure out how I'm going to walk through this. Apple's a weird company when it comes to battery life on these devices. They seem to underestimate the uses, like how much battery life you can get from a watch. 
Because like I said, I'm wearing, wearing the Series 7 right now. I've had it for on for over 24 hours, and it still has 34% battery life. So obviously that spec of 18% is underestimated. So now they're saying this Apple Watch Ultra will have 36 hours of battery life. If that is us underestimated in the same way as the Series 8 and 7, it makes me wonder, like, will it be more like 48 hours of battery life or maybe more? Or will it be 36? You know, they don't really spell that out on their website like Garmin does. Garmin has, like, standby mode, GPS mode, um, GPS mode with music, always on display. Like, like they break down their battery life like that, where Apple just kind of gives you a kind of everyday use case where they say, if you get 10 text messages, talk for three minutes, play some music, blah, 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 you'll get 18 hours of battery life or 36 hours on the ultra. Um, but it's not really that simple. It's very, there's a lot of variables that come at play with these new app watches, like always on display, um, the heart rate sensor, etc. But what I'm more interested in, um, let's back burner smartwatch battery life, standby battery life for a minute is the GPS on battery life. Like when you're out on a run or a ride, how long can you record that for on this new Apple Watch Ultra? They called the damn thing the Ultra. I want to run an Ultra with it. <laughs> I've already said this in the video that I talk about the Apple Watch Ultra, but it's like if you're going to name the thing Ultra and you're going to have Ultra runners in your presentation like Scott Jurek, make it, make it a device that will last a full ultra marathon. Uh, so I did some digging and in the Apple watch specs, they have some fine print for the Apple watch ultra, where they say that most people quote unquote, will be able to complete a full Ironman with the Apple watch ultra. And they say that should be between 15 to 17 hours of use. Unfortunately, that amount of time is not enough time for someone to complete an ultra marathon. I mean, not for me, but if you're Jim Walmsley or maybe Scott Jurek, those guys can run an ultra, a hundred mile ultra in, you know, 15 to 17 hours. That's realistic for them. But for like middle of the pack, back of the pack runners, a hundred miler will take more like 25 to 30 hours, sometimes even more if it's a harder race. So if you're running a 30 hour ultra, this new Apple Watch Ultra theoretically probably won't get you through even half of it. I think optimistically, we're looking at a watch that's more designed for 50 mile runs or 50 Ks and not full on 100 mile ultras. Um, which, you know, it's unfortunate, but not. I'm not surprised. However, there is one other variable out here and it's this new low power mode Apple teased at the launch event. Apparently, in, I think, later this fall, maybe November, October, they're going to push out a new uh, firmware update for the Apple Watch Ultra that will provide a low power optimization setting that will do a few things. It'll turn down the accuracy of the heart rate sensor. Uh, it's going to space the sampling of that. Then they're also going to turn down the accuracy of the GPS, I think. You know, I'm speculating here, uh, but that's probably what they're doing. And they're saying in that mode, that you should be able to get up to 60 hours of activity. That's out there for 60 hours. So if you're doing an ultra marathon, uh, you should be fine for 100 milers if you're using that low power mode. But like I said, if they're dialing back the accuracy to get there, then you may not get great tracks. Like, you know, at the end of your run, maybe you're at 99, 98 miles instead of 100. And that's because the GPS accuracy isn't there. Uh, that's what it seems like they're doing. So, um, there's a lot to unpack with this. I could talk for hours about it and, you know, I put a feeler out there on Instagram. Um, I put like my Q and a before I, I do these podcasts on Instagram, I like to, uh, put out a, a Q and a form so people can ask questions that I answer on this podcast and like 99% of the questions revolved around the Apple watch ultra. And all I can say to all of you is thank you for writing in, but also, um, I'm not going to. I don't know how much more I can say about it until I actually get one. So we're going to have to wait until I get one in my hands and, um, you know, everyone has them in the wild and we can all do our own testing on them. Uh, but right now I'm torn on my feelings on the Apple watch ultra, because if you, if you look at it through the lens of a Garmin owner, like I've got a Garmin Epix gen two on my wrist right now, 
The Epix Gen 2 has an awesome OLED display and it gives you two weeks of battery life or up to like 42 hours in a GPS activity without changing any settings. You know what I mean? Like you're still getting good accuracy for that long activity. So I'm, uh, I'm indecisive. On the other hand, the Apple Watch Ultra is an Apple Watch. It's LTE enabled. You can make phone calls on it. You can see videos and text messages. It's got way more CPU power for all those different applications that you can download on the iOS app store. What you can do with it is kind of endless in terms of features. You can do FaceTime calls and all these things that are not available on something like a Garmin. So to me, they're almost like apples and oranges. They're so similar, but they're almost like apples and oranges. I, I can't, you know, they, they're both trying to market that, that rugged, outdoorsy person. But honestly, I, I'm starting to wonder if they actually are. <laughs> or if they're just, you know, the Apple Watch Ultra is designed to be a, uh, you know, an, I, I feel like they should have called it the Apple Watch Pro or something. The word Ultra is what really gets me with it because as an Ultra Runner, I want it to be my like one-stop shop to do everything. Um, and I, I don't know if it does that. Again, I don't, I, we're going to have to wait till they're actually out there. But that's my rant about the Apple Watch Ultra. 800 bucks. It's going to be available sometime in October, I think, later this month. Um, there's a lot. And I'm going to have so many videos about this thing once it's on the market there's you're going to get probably going to get sick of them and i'm sorry for that but i feel like they're necessary because we it's a new product it's aimed at this sport ultra endurance you know niche and we need to hammer out the facts do a bunch of comparisons and testing and that's what's coming on youtube down the road so i'm going to leave apple watch ultra there for now um i know there's probably a lot of questions a lot of thoughts about this thing, but I'm 32 minutes into this podcast and there's so much more to go through. So the next product that Apple announced at the launch event was the iPhone 14. And honestly, like I'm not going to go through all the specs. Obviously they did a better camera. Um, they've got the new dynamic Island thing. That's part of the user interface. And I'm excited about the phone in general, but they had one feature that shocked me to be honest as an outdoorsy, you know, outdoor enthusiast, fitness enthusiast, they added satellite communication to the iPhone 14. What this allows you to do is if you're off the grid and you don't have cell phone coverage and you're in an emergency, you can actually signal for help with your iPhone 14 by using a satellite connection rather than relying on the cell phone towers around you. It'll connect directly with the satellites in the sky to provide an emergency way of contacting for help. This is amazing because I'm a guy who pays monthly for a Garmin InReach subscription. The Garmin InReach is a satellite communicator that allows you to send for help or send messages if you're out in the wild. And Apple just added a way to do this to the iPhone 14. There are some limitations. Um, first of all, it's only for SOS or emergency use. It's not a casual thing. You can't be, you know, on top of Mount Everest and text your buddy. Um, that's not how it works. It only works in an emergency situation when you're off the grid. The phone also can't have any sort of like internet, Wi-Fi, cellular coverage. If it does, it'll re resort to that instead of the satellite connection, obviously. Um, it's also only available in the USA and Canada right now. And, um, it's also, it seems like the connection is going to be a little bit tougher than something like a Garmin inReach. So with the Apple, with the iPhone implementation, basically when you signal for help, an animation will actually come on the screen and tell you where to aim your phone to give you the best odds of making a connection. Then once you make, make a connection, it'll give you a series of prompts like, do you have water? Do you have a broken bone? Blah, blah, blah. Like these questions will pop up and you have simple yes or no or uh, A, B kind of answers. You can't just like write anything you want. And that's because the bandwidth of a satellite connection is so limited and the antenna design on the iPhone 14 doesn't provide a ton of overhead. So you can only send short, quick responses. It's also not for phone calls. And finally, there is one non-emergency use case for this that they're um, you, they're implementing for Find My, uh, where you can drop a pin of your phone's location to share with your friends or family. 
if you want to just share your location and you're off the grid. And this would be non-emergency, so they can still see where you are. Just kind of cool. So there is one non-emergency use case. I do like that. Uh, however, if you are like comparing this to something like a Garmin inReach, there are some shortcomings. Uh, the Garmin inReach will give you like real two-way messaging. Uh, real, It'll give you weather updates off the grid. It'll give you non-emergency recreational type things, and it'll give you live tracking where you can send your location and they can follow you in real time, which is super cool. But it is, I mean, these are different animals. And right now you get this service for free, which is really cool because again, the inReach costs like, you know, between 15 and $65 a month. So this new uh, iPhone 14 features free for the first two years. And then after that, there will be some price, but they haven't, uh, announced what that price will be. Um, for comparison, the cheapest price on an inReach plan is uh, 15 bucks. So I, I'd say if they do like five bucks a month, it would be something I'd probably pay for. But for now, I don't have to worry about it because it's free for two years, which is nice. But again, this is something I did not expect from Apple. Um, that's a really cool feature. And honestly, I do think this will save lives in a variety of situations, not just you know, for hikers and backpackers and climbers and stuff, I think, you know, there's a p real potential here for, you know, someone who's been kidnapped, for instance, if they're, you know, I don't know, if there's some situation, uh, more communication is better. And I don't think anybody would argue with that, that this feature is kind of a game changer when it comes to this, the cell phone market as a whole. And hopefully we start seeing this bubble up on more, you know, even Android devices and things like that. It seems like, this took a lot of infrastructure to roll out. So, you know, it's probably no small task. Uh, but again, very excited about it. Really appreciate that Apple did this. And it means for me personally, if, I, you know, I, sometimes I just bring my inReach with me, like just in case. Um, I might not now. I might be able to save that weight, uh, you know, having an extra thing in my pack and just be able to bring my phone. And that's really awesome. And again, uh, you know, I've got an iPhone 14 on order. It's not out yet. It comes out in a couple of days, I think. And I will be sure to test this, you know, as much as I can without actually creating an emergency situation. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out a way to, uh, you know, just validate that it works, but I'm very excited to test it out. So stay tuned for a video on that. The uh, last product I want to just mention here is that they did announce a new pair of uh, pair, not pair, just a new version of the Apple AirPods Pro called the AirPods Pro 2 or Generation 2. I don't know what the official name is, but uh, they've got a couple of new features as well. They've got, you know, obviously better sound quality. They're stating haven't tested them out yet, so I'll, I'll have to see. But something I thought was really cool is they had like an adaptive uh, transparency mode where it would allow you to hear people talking to you, but also try to eliminate annoying sounds like at a construction site or something like that. That's really innovative, and I think it's something different. So I can't wait to try that out as well. I could imagine a situation where, you know, you're in a loud environment, maybe you're at work or something like that, and it's very hostile, and but you still want to hear what's going, like if someone's talking to you, this mode could be really cool. So... I've also got a pair of those on order, obviously. We'll have to see how that works out. Uh, but now I want to move into non-Apple related products before I run out of time in this podcast. I know Apple's just so damn exciting. Like when they do stuff, everyone looks. So uh, I'm very excited about all the new announcements, but there are some other things going on in the world. Basically, it seems like all of the major action camera companies are releasing cameras right now. So the Insta360 X3 was just announced a couple of days ago. Uh, if you're familiar with Insta360, they make these kind of candy bar shaped action cameras that are 360 degrees. So they cover everything around you and you can kind of reframe the shot after. They provide really amazing um, visuals. Like it's really crazy to look at. It almost looks like a drone is flying around you when you have one of these. And they've been making these cameras for a while now. But on the old version, they had this silly little LCD screen that was kind of like a submarine window, like a round LCD that was really hard to use. And I did not like it, even though I own one right now. Um, but on this new version, the X3, they made it a much larger rectangular screen, which is way more usable. 
Uh, they also increased the sensor size to be better in the dark and added some new resolutions and frame rates along with increasing the wireless transfer speed to connect it to the app on your phone. I don't know a ton about the X3 yet, but uh, I'll be getting one. I want to try it out. Uh, it's pretty cool looking. It just uh, it does seem like an incremental update. Like if you're an X2 user, the X3 may not be a huge leap for you, but that new screen is very exciting. And if it's a little better in the low light situations, I think I'll be happy about that. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Garmin, or not Garmin, GoPro. Uh, Garmin is just a word I say so often. The GoPro Hero 11 has been rumored and confirmed by GoPro. They sent out an email yesterday stating that the GoPro Hero 11 would be coming out on the 14th, which is probably the day you're listening to this podcast. Um, that's September 14th. I'm recording this on the 13th, so the event hasn't happened yet, so I know nothing about what actually is, but they have kind of indicated what's going to happen. Uh, the, the, the email I got from GoPro said it's coming and there's like a, it says nine fourteen twenty two, And then there's like these two cameras in the shadows. So it looks like they're going to re redo, uh, they're going to announce two new cameras. It looks like one full size like GoPro Hero 10 uh, looking chassis uh, looks very similar to the Hero 10. Doesn't look like they change a lot. I'm going to assume it's got a bigger sensor in it. I'm going to assume has better low light performance, maybe some new frame rates, um, you know, maybe ultra slow motion in 4k, maybe uh, 6k at like 120p. I don't know, but they're, they keep pushing that envelope, which is really cool. And then which. What's even arguably more exciting to me is the second camera that's been rumored and confirmed by GoPro in this email is a small square or cube-shaped camera that brings me back to the GoPro Hero session from like years ago. This little cubed camera from years ago was a, a lot of mountain bikers picked it up, some drone pilots. Uh, it was pretty popular for a minute and then they kind of dropped the form factor because um, yeah, I don't think it's sold as well as the, the bigger GoPros, but it looks like they're bringing it back. And I'm going to guess it doesn't have the full specs of the Hero 11 Black, like the, the big one. Uh, I'm going to guess and speculate that it's probably got like slower frame rates and stuff and maybe an integrated battery that you can't swap out. Maybe even integrated storage instead of having a micro SD card. Again, I'm guessing here, you'll know before I do because I'm recording this podcast before the big announcement, but I am excited to see what they do. Of course, I'll be getting one, whatever they do, because I love GoPro and it's kind of what I use for all my videos. Um, even though I do like Insta360 and everything else, GoPro is just so easy to use for me. I'm so used to it. So I'm excited to see what they do. And then finally, more action camera news is there's been rumors about a new DJI action camera. They've got the uh, DJI action, um, which is like, it's like a cube. It's similar to the, the rumored GoPro camera. And that's a, a square shape that you can kind of magnetically attack to, to attack, attach to accessories. But there's rumors that this new DJI will uh, be a bigger camera again, kind of like the DJI action from the past. I really like that camera as well. Um, but then they went to the action two, which was kind of that cubed, cubed shape. Uh, and I really don't have a lot of information about this DJI release other than an email I got from DJI saying that, you know, they had something coming. And then again, just like GoPro, they had this camera kind of in the shadows of this image in the email. And the only features you can see is that it's a larger camera. It's not a small camera like the DJI Action 2. Uh, it's a big rectangular camera like a GoPro. It's got a lens protruding from it. And then there is an illuminated record ring like around where the button is, the record button. And that's kind of like all I know. Other than that, there was like a big LCD display on the back. Um, and that's just from their like quick, you know, preview email. Um, we'll have to see what they actually do, but everybody's cranking out action cameras right now. It's kind of bananas. I mean, it's cool, but if you're a consumer right now and you're looking for an action camera, I think, uh, first of all, don't buy anything today <laughs> because there's so many things coming out. I would wait to see what they all do. And then, you know, make your best guess. I think they're all, they're all going to be awesome, but, uh, it seems like they're all coming out at the same time, which is pretty confusing. Next up in the news, we do have, uh, another really interesting product. This is kind of random, 
but there's something called the JBL Tor Pro 2 earbuds. These are the first earbuds that I know of that have a full-blown touchscreen on the side of the case. So there's a little tiny <laughs> touchscreen here that, tell, that allows you to enable or disable certain features like ANC or transparency mode. You can check your charge levels of both earbuds. And you can even check, check the charge uh, level of the case. And you can even like toggle other settings and swipe, you know, check the time of day and things like that. Honestly, that's the really unique thing about these JBL Tor Pro 2 earbuds. I'm not even really interested in the sound quality of these things, even though they probably sound good. I'm just kind of shocked that someone put a full-blown LCD display on the case. Um, these are going to come in at $247. And really, that's all I know about them. The, the case is really the standout feature with these. Okay, I've been talking for a while, but I want to talk some more. So like I said earlier in this episode... The Instagram Q&A this week was pretty crazy. Um, if you don't know, if you don't follow me on Instagram, go over there and follow me at Chase the Summit. And what I do is every week I'll put up a Instagram story with one of those question blocks where I say, ask me anything and you can be featured on this podcast. So this week I did the same thing. I got hundreds of re replies this week from all kinds of different people. Like I said, most of them were about the Apple Watch Ultra which I hope I answered most of those questions or helped kind of guide you through that in this episode. I'm not going to answer all of those Apple Watch Ultra questions, um, but I also got a lot of non-Apple Watch Ultra questions, and I want to get to those now. So like I said, I do this on Instagram. If you have a question you want to have featured on this podcast, go over to Instagram and wait for that to pop up, or just send me a message through the DMs. I'm happy to take Q&A messages through there. Or you can send me a message through my contact form over at chasethesummit.com. Just click on the contact button and it will send me an email. So you can, multiple ways you can ask questions. Okay, diving right in. The first question I got is run for peace. Um, they say, do you think consistency or high mileage weeks are, are more important when it comes to training? That's hard to say. I think both are important. Uh, my personal philosophy is going to be with consistent, go with consistency. Um, I feel like time on feet, being consistent, getting out there more often is probably better than focusing on like super high mileage weeks, because I think if you focus on super high mileage weeks, you can end up with injuries because you overdo it. It can be, become a little bit too much, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to answer it like that. I'm not a trainer or a coach, so it's hard for me to say for sure, but I think consistency is probably more important. Next question is from Doug Moore 51. Most most anticipated running watch of 2022 and 2023. Oh, that's a good question. I think it's going to be hard to say, but uh, you know, I'm going to cop out here and say that the Apple Watch Ultra is probably at the top of the list. I think that's what kind of like the whole world is thinking about right now in terms of fitness watches, because it's so new and so different. Um, other than that, I don't know if we're going to see anything from Garmin before the end of the year. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't have any insider baseball knowledge on that. Uh, so I'll, I'll answer with that one by just saying Apple watch ultra probably. The next question comes from Blake Harvard on Instagram have you ever had any serious thoughts on training for a shorter race, like a 5K or 10K? That's a great question. Um, not really, mainly because I'm not fast. <laughs> I feel like to be competitive at a 5K or 10K is really hard. Um, it's really hard to run an ultra marathon too, but I think my... Which workout do you want to start? What? My, my Apple Watch is talking to me. Perfect timing. Siri just tried to... Um, start me on a 10k. That is too funny. Literally in the middle of my podcast series, trying to get me to run a 10k. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. So getting back to the question, uh, the 10ks and 5ks are awesome, but you do have to be fast to be competitive. Whereas I feel like my strength comes from endurance. Like I can really gut it out. I can kind of get through hard moments and I feel like my, my, strength is really in endurance and not so much in, uh, being a fast runner. 
It would be cool to focus on a 5K though. Uh, my 5K PR is like 1950 or something. I'm not like crazy fast, but I'm also a pretty short guy. I'm, I'm only like five foot seven. Um, I use that as a reason of not being fast. So my 5K PR is definitely not that impressive. And I think if I was like a 16 minute 5K or something, it would feel a little bit more compelled to run it. But yeah, it's something I've thought about and maybe I should focus on more. It would probably be beneficial like overall, just to do more speed work because my typical training week is a lot of long, slower runs. Um, another thing that kind of turns me off from the 5Ks and 10Ks out there is that um, I like trails. I know there's 5K trail runs and 10Ks, but most of them are road runs. And, um, you know, I just like trail running way more than road running. So I, I think I rambled through that one, but that's my answer. Next question is Frank's tactical. Uh, how do you decide which watch to wear on a given day with so many available? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, whichever one's charged, I reach for. I typically end up in a rut. Like right now, I've been wearing the Garmin 400 955 a lot more often, just because I've ke I've like kept it on my nightstand more, so I don't feel compelled to swap it out. Um, I do like you know. There's a lot of great watches out there. I like Coros watches a lot, um, but I tend to just wear a smaller, lighter Garmin that has the most features, and that's what the 955 has right now, so I've been wearing it. Uh, next question comes from Chris Penos. Tips and tricks for long races. Um, hmm. I'd say if you're running an ultra, like a 100 miler, just be prepared for it to go overnight. You know, a lot of people get into them thinking they're going to go home and eat dinner that day when they're definitely not, even though they know it, I feel like their body and mental game doesn't know it. Um, eat and drink more than you think and smile. A lot of times when I'm in like a real bad place in the dark, it's raining. I'm at mile 80 or something. Um, I force, I literally force a physical smile on my face and I try to remember I chose to do this. Um, because it's really easy to get down on yourself and it's hard to feel bad when you're smiling. So I literally just try to force a smile <laughs> and uh, sometimes that helps. Hopefully that helps your, thanks for your question. Next one is uh, your, your average jet. When does Apple watch sponsor their own ultra marathon team? <laughs> uh, that would be really interesting. So like, I think he's referring to there's a uh, chorus has a team of people like pro athletes, there's like Hoka pro athletes and uh, Solomon and ultimate direction and ultra. Uh, but Apple doesn't have that. So now that they've got the Apple watch ultra, do they start picking up athletes? That'd be really interesting. Um, but you know, it's weird. Like big brands, like even Garmin doesn't really have pro sponsored athletes in the ultra world. It'd be cool if that Apple did it though. Uh, next question is from Ryan Kolker. You mentioned in the past that you were in a band in high school. Do you still play guitar? Uh, no, I wish I did. <laughs> so uh, I played guitar from age, I think I got into it at like 10 or 11. And I played right up until I was about 25. I was really good. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I was a, uh, I played every day for our hours on end. Uh, I could play just about anything by ear. You could play you know, a piece of music and I would pick it up instantly. I just, I really took to it. Um, I played in a band. We got like locally kind of big. We had like bar shows and played at like the Worcester Palladium uh, near Boston and, and things like that. Uh, but it kind of fizzled out as we all got older. And then I had kids and I found that I'm only really allowed to have one hobby or, you know, have time for one hobby. And right now that's uh, fitness and running and YouTube <laughs> that takes up my time. So no, I don't really play anymore. I wish I did. I, I got to get back into it. And I hope it's like riding a bike and I can pick it up pretty quickly again, but I haven't played in a while. So yeah. Next question is from Andrew R RW. Uh, would you ever post content about tr weight training and lifting? Uh, I'm always hesitant to do that because I'm really I'm uh, not good at it. I, I don't really have a structured plan for weight or body training, which is kind of funny because I genetically have like big arms. I look like I weightlift a lot. 
Um, and people always ask me if I do, but honestly, I don't do much. Occasionally I'll do like push-ups or something, uh, or pull-ups, but I don't really focus too much on weights. Um, I mainly do body weight stuff right now. I don't really go to the gym. I don't use weight benches, anything like that. So I don't really feel like I'm in a position to share my, uh, experience. Uh, but maybe, you know, if I get back into it, that's something I can do down the road. Torbjorn HB. Have you seen an increase in companies reaching out to you as your channel grows? Uh, yeah, I get a lot of emails. I get emails uh, every morning. I have 10 or 15, sometimes 20 to go through. And to be honest, they're all pretty much junk. You know, I'll get a message from like a Amazon kitchen knife company that wants me to put their stuff on my channel. I think the, the hardest part about the you know, increased amount of interest is kind of sifting through all the crap and finding, you know, the valuable um, products out there that I'm actually interested in because there are so many emails. And if I skip checking it for a couple of days, it's like overwhelming. So yes, I have seen increase in companies reaching out and not always in a good way. Uh, Christos KR says, Sinto uh, 9 Peak Pro, any additional info? No, not really. And it's weird because I talked about this a few podcast episodes ago that it was rumored. Still hasn't come out. Um, but yeah, time will tell on that one. Uh, Stephen E. Leonard 97 says, should I buy an Apex Pro or wait for the next generation? At this point, I might suggest to wait. It's tough. Apex Pro is a really cool watch and it's discounted right now. You get a lot for your money. Great battery life, offline mapping, um, and at a pretty solid price right now. But, you know, I feel like it's time for them to do something, for Coros to put out something new. I don't have any insider knowledge on that, but it seems like right around this time, we get the holidays coming, it feels like they're going to do something soon. Uh, so maybe hold off, but if you can get a great price on the Apex Pro, I think it's a great watch and it's not going to be obsolete. You can still use it even if something new comes out. Next question is from Feel the Need. If viewers skip your advertising in your content, does that affect your revenue stream on YouTube? That's a really interesting question. Um, no, I don't think it does affect my revenue stream, but I do think it does, well, in a backwards way. I think if people skip through the ads, um, Google might have a harder time selling the ads. So maybe like my CPM or uh, click, uh, clicks per milli, however that's pronounced goes down, which is like how much I get paid per thousand views of that ad. It's so complicated. I still don't really know how it all works. I just hope that I get a deposit at the end of the month. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Google AdSense is so weird, but that's only for Google ads, like YouTube, like the actual segments on YouTube. Uh, whereas it's different if it's like, uh, sponsored content. Like if I'm reading something, for instance, I do, um, I do work with playbetter.com and I do a lot of their, uh, we, we work together. I promote them. Um, and if you skip through that, nothing changes. I still, I still get paid. So that's good. I think that answers your question. <laughs> and finally, uh, is from mcbert152. What running achievement meant the most to you? That's a good question. Um, Probably my first hundred miler, if I had to pick one moment, you know, in all the time I've been running, I think completing the first hundred was a really big deal to me. It was very emotional. I had trained a long time for it. And when it happened, happened in my, you know, got my first belt buckle, that was a big deal. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. That's probably the biggest accomplishment for me. Okay, that's the end of the questions. And that's kind of the end of the podcast as well. Uh, we're going on an hour here. That's a, that's a long one. Apologies. Thanks for hanging in there with me. And again, if you want to be featured on the Chase to Summit podcast, go ahead and shoot me a message on Instagram or respond to my weekly story asking for questions. And I'll read them out loud here and you, we can discuss them. If you enjoyed this podcast, you found it entertaining or anything, I would really appreciate it if you help me by going on your favorite platform of choice, whether that be Apple Podcast or Spotify, and giving me a five-star rating. Those ratings really help these podcasts grow. People see high ratings and wanna click on it, and that means a lot to me. Also, if you're there doing a rating, 
and you're on Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave a comment telling people people what you love or hate about the podcast. I hope it's actually love instead of hate, but you can say anything you want you want there. And I really appreciate that. One last shout out for the merch store. If you're interested in picking up some Chase the Summit merch, use code LISTEN10 at checkout for 10% off your full order. Really appreciate it. I hope you like the merch as much as I do. And the final shout out on the way out of this podcast episode is going to be the Patreon members. Thank you again for your continued support like Bryce, Dave, and Anthony is a new one. I appreciate everybody who is supporting me over on Patreon. And if you want to help support me, check out the link at the bottom of the show notes. That's all I've got for this podcast. Like I said, this is going to be a crazy couple of months. There are so many new products coming out and testing and things I need to do. And I hope you come along for the ride with me over on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe over there if you haven't already. And yeah, that's it for this podcast episode. I not episode. I said that funny. All right, friends, I will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.